So Autumn loves dinosaur things. I bought a T-Rex shirt for her years ago that was, it was just a picture, no words, but it was a T-Rex trying to rub a magic lamp. <laughs> but the lamp was like on the ground. Perfect. And so he, like his head's resting on the ground. He's still so trying nice. he's still trying to reach it. Great. It's a story told in one picture. <laughs> Welcome to the Strategic Ministry Podcast, where we seek to help church and ministry leaders think more strategically in order to reach more people with the gospel. Today I'm joined by Ed Sutter. Ed is a longtime friend and has been serving youth and family ministry for many years. He's a professional counselor. He has a great love for Jesus, for students, and for families. And while it wasn't planned, our conversation turned into a two-part episode. So in part one, we discuss where student ministry has been and where it's going. And here in part two, we talk about the importance of working with families and the impact of family on faith. Let's join in the conversation. To your point, like all the time we spend with students, we spend with individuals is, you know, significantly less than they're spending with themselves and hopefully with Jesus. Yeah, um, right. And this is ultimately what's kind of expanded my understanding and thoughts on student ministry to really impacting the family, which I think is kind of the next wing of this conversation. Um, you know, I spend less time with those students. Oh, yeah. Than like their bus driver. Almost literally. Yeah. Depending on your group, depending on how it's set up, the size of it, yada, 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 that might be true. Yeah. They see you, you certainly see them less days of the week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I'm interacting with them more than the bus driver likely is. Yes. Because um, I remember riding the school bus. I didn't talk to my bus driver. No, but I mean, the, lady, the, but... The, the analogy is apt, right? Whether or not yeah. it's logistically or literally true, the analogy is apt. You know, but but if we're trying to enact or force or, or, or manufacture change uh-huh. in these students' lives, thinking that... You know, let's say you have a small enough group that you can, or you've structured your group well enough even, that not only do you see them, not only does each student get seen program night, but each student gets individually seen once a week by somebody in the ministry. Okay, sure. You know, highly unlikely. Let's say in in the ideal of ideals, right? So you got three hours a week. Uh Uh-huh. So there's 165 yeah, more there, hours. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That, and so, not that we shouldn't focus on those three hours a week or two hours of our no, program. No, we have to, be, we have to be really diligent with that. How do we partner with families in a way to help them to maximize the 165 other hours, right? And I think that's where student ministry and family ministry and like genuinely church ministry oh, absolutely. is going to need to mature to mm-hmm. in this next era. Uh, yeah, we, uh, where we are, we've gotten, we've gone too far down the line of families have outsourced their, their, their own families or their kids' faith development to the organization of the church. Well, and it was a natural outpouring. They've outsourced every other aspect. Yeah, I want They've my, outsourced I want their kid, education. I want my They've kid outsourced to be a pitcher. Their, he goes yeah. to the, this camp. I want my kid to understand animals. They go to that camp. I want my kid to learn math. He goes to the school, right? I want my kid to grow in faith. Send him to the church. Send him to the church. Yeah, and that's, you know, 
that's one of my major concerns is, you know, student ministries now are adopting phrases and kids ministries about partnering with parents and parents as the primary disciplers of their kids. And uh, I was in a coaching meeting one-on-one with a, a new youth pastor. And he was talking about that. And he said, like, I want parents to be the primary disciplers of their kids. I was like, great. Mm-hmm. What does that actually mean? Yeah, right. Put some boots on that. Like, what does that actually look like? What does a parent who is a primary discipler of their child right. look like? Right. And especially, you know, we probably all have this idealized version of, right, the Norman Rockwell. We've gathered around the table, and before we eat the wonderful meal that somebody had the time to cook, you know, amidst the craziness of of day-to-day life, you know, we've done a family devotional and shared prayer requests. And that would be wonderful to have happen. But one, I don't know that, I don't know if I know many parents who... Even if they had the resources for doing a family devotional, mm-hmm. would feel ready, equipped, and comfortable to lead one for their family. Man, okay, so I, I don't want to... You're so right, and I, I don't want to... I'm not bashing parents here. No, no, not even a little Cause bit. Because I have a three-year-old, and I'm doing... like It's someone who is trained in ministry, and I have to think intentionally about... How am I introducing faith yes. to my daughter? Because it's not going to happen accidentally. And and this is like I don't I don't know maybe I'm just like stuck on this train of thought. But when I said before about like I want my students to go out into the world with the ability to wrestle, mm-hmm. like if they if they go out in the world thinking they have to get 100 percent on the test, then they're absolutely not going to feel equipped Mm-mm. to teach their kid. Because I'm not no one's confident they're going to get 100% on the test, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to teach my kids something that they're now they're not going to get 100%, so I'm going to send them to the professionals. Yes, yeah, you're bring them to the church. Right? And the church is going to teach my kid how to follow Jesus. But if a, hopefully. if families are are equipped with something as simple as you know what, that's a really tricky one and a lot of people feel really differently about it and you know, since the beginning of the church 2000 some years, people have always felt differently about that. A line as relatively simple as that, I think, can help families to feel so much more equipped to. Because mm-hmm. when their three year old turns into a 10 year old and the 10 year old says, <laughs> Well, hold on a second, right? Or the, yeah. or, or the 10 year old turns into a 14 year old and goes, That's stupid, right? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, what does that parent do then? Mm-hmm. Ah, golly. So, yeah, to, to equip people with the permission to wrestle, right? Mm-hmm. I think is so big. And maybe, like I said, maybe I, I don't want to go too far down that line. I don't think it's a be-all, end-all. Uh, maybe it's just on my mind right now. But I, I think that's so big. Yeah, so when we ask that question, what does it look like for families to be the primary disciplers? Or what does it look like for families to, to not outsource? Mm-hmm. Um, that probably starts with the young people in our ministries right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, getting them to a place where they're ready to to live life as a disciple and have that be a part of uh, their journey into adulthood and, yeah. as, and parents. But I also think about parents today, you know, there is so much more of a journey to discipleship. Mm. And I think... I think sometimes, and I, and I feel this myself, right? I want my kid to just have all the things right now, mm-hmm. right? We have uh, uh, one kid. And so I'm having to learn and train patience into myself. 
right? We were talking about movies earlier. Yeah. There are so many movies that I want to introduce my daughter to because <laughs> yeah. I love them. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I want her to love them too. Yeah. And it will break my heart if she doesn't love them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And even more so, Jesus. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. Yes. But like, it doesn't all have to happen today. It can't. Because so, some of those, she's not ready for some of those movies. Right. Yeah. And so training patience into myself. Yeah. And especially now when I take that to the faith idea, what are the things that she can be doing now as a three-year-old? Yeah. You know, um, now these are conversations I'm having with myself, not necessarily conversations the church is having with me, but I wonder how many churches are sitting down with the, you know, because most churches have a, a three, four-year-old room. Yeah. yeah. You know. How many churches are taking the opportunity to meet with those parents once during the year and say, hey, here's some practical things you, know, and so, you can do at home with your kids to begin building faith? Now, I've not, I mean, I've been doing this for a little bit now. I've not been around forever. In my experience, my answer to your question, how many churches are doing that, more now than ever before. Yes. And, and, and part of that is what I said before that's been a blessing to me, I get invited to be a part of those conversations. So like mm-hmm. literally this church down the road from my, you know, my church is, is inviting me in to do just that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's one of those places where I don't have a silver bullet where I'm like, if only you do this, then your kid will love Jesus oh, yeah. forever. <laughs> right. If you did, you'd write a book and I suppose, be set, yeah. Right? Um, but what I can offer is a place for, each individual family to chew on that in a way that says what would work for our family and there's mm-hmm. your 167 hours again i get mm-hmm. one hour right. so with this group i'm going to meet with them three times for an hour and a half right mm-hmm. so they're going to have a hundred and what's the math 166.5 hours yep. that they're not with me each week right mm-hmm. so if i say you have to do it this way and it doesn't work mm-hmm. no dice right but if i say what would work for your family? Here's 20 minutes to chew on that with your partner. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about it as a large group so we can learn from the wisdom of, of the whole room together. Mm-hmm. Right? Because what you might say, I oh gosh, I didn't even think about that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, so I think more churches are doing that now. Uh, but, but even that, we need to be cognizant of mm-hmm. it's going to look different family to family, context to context. Well, and, you know, expanding it out how many student ministries are doing that meeting yeah great great question you know and and to your point inviting them to wrestle together yes right you know one of the major hurdles that we consistently have to work through in the church in america is rampant individualism yeah you know like we live proximity wise close to people but we don't necessarily live in tight-knit communities no not at all um and so creating that space for parents in the church mm-hmm. um who might not otherwise get together yeah right so they can learn from one another is yeah. huge yeah and, and my experience tells me that when one person is vulnerable with a need or an attempt or a concern or a doubt or whatever then others go, oh, oh phew, yeah. me too. Thank goodness. Right? Because I think some of that isolation in the church comes from that sense of everyone else looks like they have it together. 
Well, yeah. And and I don't want to be the one. I can look like I have it together for an hour on Sunday. Yeah. God. Usually. I mean, how many parents... You've had parents say this in your ministry, right? Like, they'll show up on Sunday and they'll be like, yeah, we may look okay here, but 20 minutes ago we were yeah. screaming at each other in the car, right? Yeah. And like, we all know that, but we don't believe it about each other. Right. right? Yeah. So, so to, to bring some of that community of we're doing this together... Well, it's just, you know, people have told teenagers forever that social media is not the real world, but do they actually believe that? Well, do we actually believe that, yeah. right? We still look at whatever we see online and go like, oh, oh that would that be better would be if awesome. I was that way, or, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, so, I, I, man, maybe it's just stuck on my head, but, like, I, I just go back to that relationship and that wellness, because when, when you have those healthy relationships... Mm-hmm. I can like I can sit down with you. You and I have been friends for a bunch of years, whatever it's been, <laughs> yeah. and I can sit down with you and go... I'm not sure about this, or this has been hard, mm-hmm. or like this is going on in my marriage, or this is going on with my kids, or this is going on in my ministry, whatever. And um, I know that you'll receive that well, right? Mm-hmm. Again, we've talked about reception, right? I know you'll receive that in a way that makes me feel uh, not alone, but also that like if I've screwed up, you'll call me on it, or if yeah. I, like whatever, right? Yeah, like same. it's the whole package. Um, not everyone has that. No. So, so, so to be able to offer places where when we say, is it working? Do our students, do our families have places where they feel like they can be received with their, with their triumphs and their, and their tragedies, their, mm-hmm. their successes and their failures where they'll be called out and held accountable if necessary mm-hmm. or supported when they're, they're flailing. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Yeah. And, and when we say we live in you know proximity close but not tight knit communities, I think the fear of not being received well is a part of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. We we all you know it's why you don't ask out the pretty girl. You're afraid she'll say no. Precisely. Right? <laughs> like precisely. You know, fear of rejection, fear of fear of of you know not not being welcomed, fear of judgment, all of those kind of things. You know, yeah. are are really only undone. One through time in community. Yep. Right. It takes time to build relationship. Um, you know, which is something that I don't think is being talked about enough in kids, students, whatever ministry. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it takes time. To... Yeah, that doesn't happen the first time someone walks through the door. No, it doesn't happen the tenth time somebody yeah. walks through the door. You're right. It takes years, yeah. and that's you know back to the you know you have years to influence. And if, build if, faith if we're lucky. into the life of your kids. Yeah, if we're lucky. You know, um, and I'm just talking about in the home. Oh, a family. Yes, a yes, family. yes, yes. Got it, got In the it. church, hopefully, too, right? Hopefully, you know, the first time a kid's walking through the doors in two weeks before they graduate high school. Yeah. Um, if they are, you know, you hopefully have something to point them to. Sure. But, you know, take the long view. But that's also, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when I was doing student ministry full time, that's the conversation I had with my volunteers, too, is... I want you to think about the right. You have the long game to invest in these students, but that's also the level of commitment I'm going to call you to. Yeah, that's right. Well said. Is to be here for the long game. Yeah. You know. Um, and, and so I think helping families think that way, but it does. It takes time, mm-hmm. right? It takes time. It takes intentionality. There's no one event you can put on your calendar that's going to accomplish this. Yeah. You know. It's going to be a culmination of multiple calendar years. Yeah, man, they're, they're not, it's not an event. 
we know that it's not an event. Mm-mm. Uh, you know, if you if you did ten events, it might happen through those events, but not because of the event. It's because of the connections and the relationship and the culture that's w- that yeah. is within that place. We'll call it compounding interest. Yeah. Yes. Right. So so for me, it, it's a question of. I don't know to use just like the popular term like there's some of it is like vibe right like mm-hmm. if, if every you know 10 events and they're all you know everyone's disconnected or real clicky or whatever like <laughs> yeah. th- those 10 events aren't going to do it no so it's not it's no event it's no series of events it's it's mm-hmm. the, well it's the relationships again, yeah right? yeah it's that focus on relationships and that's you know that's ultimately what you're doing with these trainings and stuff too is you're building relationships with the right so you're building an avenue of relationship with the parents that that you know I'm here for you I'm investing in you I'm a resource to you we're in this together but hopefully helping them to establish relationships with one another and when I leave you're gonna have each other you're gonna have each other right you know um, but it's it's you know <laughs> Uh, I had this conversation with uh, Josh up at Riverside, right? Faith is not fractions. So I can send a kid to a math tutor and they can fix my kid yeah. when it comes to their understanding of fractions, yep. right? I can I can send my kid to a, a pitching instructor and they'll fitch, fix the hitch in their, their throw or whatever. Yep. Yep. Faith is not like that. Yeah. Faith fundamentally is relational, one. Mm-hmm. And, and two... It's it's way more <clears throat> nebulous, yeah, because it is such a foundational thing, right? It impacts every area of your life. Fractions don't impact every area of your life, right? And, and so, because it's such a foundational thing, and it's a life journey, yeah, it's not just a box that you check, right? That's why it is so relationally heavy. That's why it is such a, yeah. you know, that's why ultimately like students leaving the church after they graduate is something that weighs heavy on my mind because it's, you're losing a substantial resource, which is the body of Christ to your faith journey. Yeah. Right. Um, that's why like student ministry can't just think of students in this box of six through 12 or, or whatever. Right. right. It's, right, right, it's. Right. You know, we've got to see not only the the long game of the this journey that we have with students, but you know how many areas of their life it's going to right. It's going to affect all of the areas of their life, and it's going to take time. And it's gonna it's gonna look different today than it will five years from now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and hopefully it does. Right. Correct. Yeah. In the same way that so much of what we've been talking about, whether it's the way you raise your family, whether it's the way as a society we've understood what ministry to you to young people looks like Mm -hmm. it as we learn new things as we bump into new experiences as the day-to-day moments of our lives look different this this thing Mm -hmm. that touches each of those dynamics those dimensions this faith of ours Mm -hmm. well that better look different too yeah And, and you know for families i think one of the biggest shifts that's going to to need to happen is when it comes to priorities and and, you know uh i'm not saying families can't like miss sunday because their kid has a travel league or anything like that but like 
it it's going to be a commitment to prioritizing faith because it's not going to happen accidentally. So like mm. when I think about my own daughter, you know, she's going to learn what faith looks like from her mom and I. Yeah. Right. It's not going to happen accidentally. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, she's not going to suddenly want to prioritize it for us. Yeah. You know what? That's so interesting. Cause it, 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 it um, poof. What do I want to say? It can happen accidentally. And I think okay. that's, I think that's the danger in it. Yeah. Is because if we're not intentional, the things that are learned are learned by accident. Okay. So if it's not intentional, it's unintentional. Yeah. So you're still going to do it. You're just going to do it unintentionally. Yeah. So and you're so, gonna, so, yeah. so if I, if I'm not, so whatever you're prioritizing, you're prioritizing. Yeah. So, so if I, I might on paper say faith is of extremely high importance, but if I'm not intentional about that with, with my kids or with my family, mm-hmm. um, what they will learn is just whatever they happen to pick up. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that might be more often than not, we're like, ah, we're going to sleep in or more often than not we are surrounding ourselves with things that, that aren't healthier more often than not where what, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I'm a little uncomfortable with quote unquote, it's not going to happen okay. accidentally because again, I, I want to leave room for the spirit. Like the spirit does things. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you but, know, but also, kid, kids who don't know, you know, who come from families that don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. Correct. At times. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, those there, things do happen. The, the risk is that there, there's a lot of accidents that could happen. Yeah. And if we are not intentional about putting up guardrails in the right places or, or teaching our kids, having conversations about how we come back from failure or how we, mm-hmm. you know, where does grace play a role in the, 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 the sinfulness of, of who I am and my own brokenness and our family's brokenness. Mm-hmm. If we're not intentional about those things, then they'll either pick up crooked visions, crooked, crooked understandings of what the gospel means, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, or their value for it will be very low. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of accidents that could happen. Hence the need for thoughtfulness. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, the, the question that lingers in my mind is a wrestling between not wanting to overstep yeah. and wanting parents to actually live out that intentionality and that thoughtfulness in a way that, that helps, you know, because at the same time, you could do everything right, quote unquote, in yes. terms of being the primary side, and your kid could still, because people are people. Of course. Right? Your kid's going to be who, who they choose to be at some point. Right. Um, but we can help set them on the right path, right? right? We can help them build a good foundation. We we can help, you know, instill faith and values and, and, and priorities in their life. Uh, and I worry, so, and this is why I keep coming back to it, is, is I think so many families are instilling values and priorities that are ultimately going to devalue the relationship with Christ mm-hmm. or, or, you know, move it from that primary space in their life to, you know, third, fourth, fifth. 
yeah. on the list. And, and at that point, like when it's third, fourth, fifth on the list, it's it's not long before it's not it's on the list. It's easy to drop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I wrestled with the tension of like, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it's not my kid. I'm not their parent. Like mm-hmm. I don't get to decide. But also, you know. Do families even know necessarily how to yeah. prioritize faith in a way that instills the importance in the life of their kid? Yeah. Um, or are we at such a point that, you know, so much of it is like, well, I took them to the experts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so why isn't it working? Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, again, that's part when I said earlier, I think some of that starts with the kids in our youth ministry now. The you know you and I, you know so my old my oldest is nine, mm-hmm. um, and I I was sort of at the tail end of some of that like youth ministry party sort of stuff right mm-hmm. it was Same. just like a you know a club at a church yes, um, but like the parents that we work with, if they were tied in with the church in general, we're probably close to some of that, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a question of like, well, how do they value, right? If it's not entertaining, are they interested? If it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, a Mm -hmm. party at a church, are they interested? Because that's what they were introduced to, right? So Mm -hmm. so how can we introduce true relationship, true relationship um, that is valuable? And we know this from marriage, we know this from friendship, that True relationship that is valuable is not always fun and entertaining. No. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the last thing you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if we can start to teach that to our, our young people today, mm. then when they, exactly, when they grow up and have kids of their own, it, if it's a value to them, they will fight for it. Mm-hmm. If it's not a value to them, it's going to go three, four, five, then off the list. Right. And, and so I don't, I don't want, I mean, obviously it, it was a value for you. It's a value for me. Right. And we learned yeah. that from some of those old models, right? It's not like it didn't work for anybody. <laughs> right. Um, but, but I think we need to, uh, offer to uh, current parents, you know, parents that are parents that are in our ministries now, we need to help them see value in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always easy and it's not always going to be, and it's not always a party and it's not always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty to celebrate and we need to celebrate. It can't just be a, a trudge every single, you know, Sunday, Wednesday, whatever. Yeah. Um, but we need to help our parents fight for something that is valuable, which means they need to see it as valuable. Mm-hmm. And, and when we train our young people that way, trains the, not a good word. When we introduce it to our young people in that way today, a relationship with Jesus is not always fun. It's not always exciting. We will be persecuted. We will be challenges. There yeah. will be, right? If When the world hates you, don't be surprised because it hated me first, right? right. If, we, if we give our young people permission to fight for this thing and wrestle with it and be uncomfortable, um, I hope, I don't know. I'll, let's have the conversation again in 15 years. We'll, we'll, we'll see if it worked, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, you know, you made the point of like the the generation now that has kids grew up in mm-hmm. the, the heyday of classic student ministry, right? Which, um, 
when I when I think of those kind of things, uh, I think of uh, I'm gonna pick on some things specifically because I can because I don't think they listen to the <sighs> podcast mostly because they don't exist anymore. But like the acquire the fire, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. If you remember that or things like that, yeah, right. It was these big moments. Yep. This come to the cross, uh-huh. super emotional. Uh-huh. Everybody's crying. Everybody's doing this. Everybody's doing that, and like student ministry tried to capture that regularly and so we had these events and we were trying to create the big cry moment and that was like the moment that i knew that i was going to follow jesus and that was the hook and that carried right but i think the reality of the faith journey is that it is the culmination of unremarkable days yes that leads to a far more rich and vibrant faith yep and so getting parents to buy in on that idea might be a challenge because it's not necessarily their experience or what they thought of or what they're used to, you know, and I think about it like this, like one of my favorite stories to tell with this, cause you, you were there my wedding day. Yeah. Oh yeah. My goodness. Holy cow. One of the storm of the century, right? One of the like quarter sized hail. <laughs> yeah. There's a river that formed on the property Literally. that they named after us. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. I remember that day with vivid clarity. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was one of the most ridiculous days. And, you know, I remember that day better than probably any other day I've been married to my wife. Yeah. But I love my wife more now than I did then. Oh, wow, yeah. And it's the culmination of those unremarkable days between so now and then yeah. that leads to that. Yeah. And so, you know how do we champion the mm-hmm. unremarkable mm-hmm. to a generation that was bought in on the remarkable? Oh man, it's so good, right? The scriptural, this doesn't answer the question, but like the scriptural basis of that for me is the transfiguration. They go up literal on the mountaintop, right? We use that terminology. They yeah. go up on the mountaintop. They see all the big wigs. Like, yeah. like they're with Jesus who's transfigured before them. Then there's Elijah, there's Moses. It's like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah, can we stay here forever? And Peter says, let's stay. Yeah. And Jesus is like, no, we got to go back down. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. where that's God where... speaks. Listen to my son. What's he say? All right, guys, pack up. We're yeah, going. We're out of here. <laughs> like, and that's, I think, when we only point to the top of the mountain mm-hmm. and we don't point to life in the valley, and I don't mean valley of death sort of stuff. Mm-mm. I just mean the, the, you know, day to day. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, we're, we're doing a disservice if we're not saying that 99% of the days are just walking through mm-hmm. somewhere halfway up the hill or somewhere all the way down at the bottom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. we need to give people permission to be there, right? Because mm-hmm. again, if I if I if I think I need to have one hundred percent on the test, or if I think that I need to have smiles and unicorns and rainbows every day to have a a, a, a strong faith, I'm up a creek real fast. Yeah. Well, and and you know, I was on the tail end of this, so I'm, I'm sure others were as well. You know, coming from that kind of mountaintop youth ministry design, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I felt the need to rededicate yeah. myself to. It was like every time we had one of those, like, okay, time to do it again because yeah. you know I haven't cried and 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 had this moment in a while, so like I guess it's time to do it again. Yeah. Um. And, and here's here's my concern because I think what you're talking about is so true, right? They left the mountaintop, but they didn't leave Jesus' presence. They didn't leave Jesus, exactly. They weren't, they weren't 
out of the presence of God. They were still with him, right? There was, there was just more of the journey. I think, I think so many times, you know, it's you come to the mountaintop and then like you feel like you fall away probably because you didn't actually keep going with Jesus. You thought the mountaintop was it, right? And that's what Peter and the disciple, we made it. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. And it's like, no, there's still a whole lot of ministry yet to happen. Yes. Right? And I don't I don't remember the exact words of that scripture, but Jesus goes down the mountain with them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus isn't done. He's still got the cross ahead. There's yes. still a whole lot of important ministry ahead. Yeah. You know? And so there's room for those mountaintop experiences. 100%. But we need to help our students and our families know that that's just one one part on the journey. There's right. a whole lot more to the journey. And it's, yeah, those mountaintops stand out. Yeah. But it's it's that time in between. It's, like you said, that culmination of un, unremarkable days mm-hmm. where we're just trying faithfully to follow Jesus. And yeah. we learn things about Jesus. And, and you know, uh, for me, my faith has grown more in the valley. Yes. And I've you know, we've been walking through a valley a little bit here over the last couple of years than in the, than in those little peaks. Yeah. Well, that's, I I lead a men's group. We've met almost every Tuesday for the last few years. And there's one guy in the group who repeats pretty regularly. Like what we, you know, his line will be something like, well, what we do here is we just talk about our failures. Right. Because like, those are the things there is growth in that. Right. Not to say, again, I'm just repeating. Right. Yeah. We do grow on the mountaintop. There is value in that. But, but for so many of us, um, there's, there's a lot of growth in the valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and valuing, right? It's a shift in priorities and a shift in value. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, our, I think our job is communicating that in a way that invites people onto yeah. that path and that journey. Um, well, and not necessarily buying into the, you know, well, let's just get back to entertainment and hype. Why? Because it's easier. Well, because it's it right. produces results, quote and, unquote. And we need to be clear about what the expectations are. Because mm-hmm. if people are coming on board and they're like, oh, okay, it's all going to be fun and you know, rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then and then we're like, oh, by the way, um, take up your cross and follow me. It's like that is <laughs> yeah. not what Wait, you what? told me. That right? wasn't what I was sold. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, I think. Well, Francis Chan was one of the early voices in that when we were yeah. even just starting out being youth pastors yep. was the like, you know, if you give them Jesus and a skateboard, yeah. you're doing them a disservice. Yeah, and it, like, was, it was him that said like, if you give me the right band, the right speaker, he's like, I'll make a room full of people cry. Doesn't yeah. mean it did anything. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so like, you know, and it is, we've both been, been along this student ministry journey. We've seen student ministry mature over the years, the pressure is often there to perform yeah, and fill the room yep. and get them to cry. Yep. And, and like, I felt that myself. Oh. Like, so battling that in myself, yeah, you know, and so how do we, how do we, uh, and maybe this is where we'll wrap it up, you know, hold ourselves accountable yeah. to what we know really works. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, and so this is just anecdotally, and this this will be my kind of my final word, right? I I have been it's been you know you talked about the previous episode you talked about transition. There's been a lot of transition, pandemic wise and staff wise and all of the things at my church recently, and all the stuff we say 
it's not us that does the growth. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not us, you know, go, you know, it, it's the Acts chapter two or sorry, Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter two or three. I forget where, but like, it's God that does the growing Probably, mm-hmm. you know, one waters, one uh, plants, but it's God that does the growing. We say all those things and, and, and I've been held to account that I need to believe that, right? Mm. It's not me. Mm-hmm. It's not that we have the, the shiniest, the flashiest. It's not that we've got the best guitarist. It's not that we've got the the you know the Francis Chan of speakers. It's not that we've got like, it's that we're inviting the Holy Spirit to be a part of this. And then I'm saying, we're all saying we're going to get on board with what you are doing, Spirit. We're not we're not forcing you into what, what we're trying to do. We're on board with what you are doing. And man, that's a challenging thing to when the rubber hits the road. To give control to, to God. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Man, glad to be here. Thanks for listening. I hope it was helpful to you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And you can always connect with us for more info at strategicmen.com.